Creating and rekindling memories. NHR. Oh, what a voice. That is the rag and bone man uh, and human, of course. It is 10.29 on a Sunday morning. Uh, and my first guest is a lady who we had on the show, um, I think it must be a couple of years ago now, talking about angels and, and books and stuff like that. Uh, well, Paula Love Clark has written her first novel. Um, and uh, it, it's available now. And I'm so pleased that she's agreed to come back and tell us uh, all about it. So good morning, Paula. How are you? Good morning, Kev. I'm really well, thanks. Lovely stuff. Now that I've mentioned Pyramid, uh, it's your first novel, but it's not your first book, is it? There's been, is it four um, that you've written before this? Yes. So I've written four before this. And um, this is my first novel. So I've had two poetry books, a self-help book and a diary type book and uh, called The Diary of a Lockdown Mum. And then this is my first novel. So w- what is Pyramid all about? Because from what I can gather, it, it's, uh, it's all to do with artificial intelligence. But, but, but you tell us um, what, what it's about and what inspired you to write the book. OK, so um, the way I describe Pyramid, it's a kind of a warning. It's a dystopian warning of a future that could potentially happen. Bear in mind, it's a fictional story of what could happen if we, if we allowed AI to take over our lives. And let me explain that, right? So obviously we're not um, automatically going to allow them to take over our lives, but it's, it, it could happen so incrementally that we wouldn't even realize that AI are going to be doing that. So uh, it's based on the character um, called Jake, and he developed a, a method of inserting nanotechnology into the human brain. And he does it for benevolent purposes. And uh, the company he's working for, he believes is, you know, it's all it's all to help fight disease and, uh, you know, addictions and mental health illnesses and so on. And so he he does this because he really believes in helping humanity. Right. Unfortunately, there are malevolent forces behind this company pulling the strings. And so the whole idea is. Whoever controls the chip controls the human and whoever controls the computer that controls the chip controls humanity. And then it goes from there. And then it's a it's a story involves angels, of course, ETs, possibility of. And, um, you know, and also I'm very interested in where the soul is. So, you know, you've got robots and you've got the soul. Do robots have soul, for example? So it explores all kinds of things within the book. It's. It sounds scary. <laughs> it, it does. <laughs> just the way you. It, it's. It's a little bit like Big Brother is watching uh, and and controlling you. Um, it is uh, one thing that we really don't want. Uh, and you mentioned angels uh, in there as well. And I know that uh, through throughout some of the other box, uh, the, the other books, uh, there are mentions of angels. And I know that uh, that you're a great believer in angels. What What is it about angels that holds so much interest for you? I think it's. Um... It's angel. So this book, it talks about uh, there's a blue angel, right? And it's specifically, there's a reason why. And you have to read the book to understand why. But um, it's also, it's about the fact that we're not alone and that we are being guided and helped and um, guided towards finding ourselves more. And, uh, you know, apparently they say that you, you have to invite an angel to help you. So angels don't automatically help you. You have to ask for their help. So sometimes when we put up prayers, and I'm not saying 
it's called a god some people call it a creator of the universe um, a being an energy but when we put a prayer up and out then um isn't it nice to think that there are angels listening and then coming to help us so i like the idea and i explore that idea of us not being alone and that there are other beings whatever those beings are um malevolent not malevolent definitely not malevolent um benevolent beings that want to actually help us in our journey it's nice to think that there is somebody or or something out out there um it is and and i know that a lot of people they they do take great comfort in believing that 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 yeah when you're stuck in the ground that is not the end um of it so so yeah Yeah. it's it's a lovely lovely um thought that is so now you mentioned jake of course the main character in pyramid um is that Mm -hmm. is jake based on anyone you know or was it something that you know sort of just came to mind okay so uh, i'll explain how i got to write this book very strange. I don't know if you believe in intuitive writing where, you know, some, an idea just comes to you and you explore it. Um, you know, that's what happened with this book. So I was just finishing my first exhibition, my art exhibition, and it was the day before the exhibition. I woke up that morning about six o'clock with a feeling of a book and I didn't know where the book was going to go, but I just had a feeling that I had to show how the importance of being human. So when you played that song just now, I thought, how relevant. It's so relevant. I mean, I don't know if you purposely connected there, very good link, but, <laughs> and I know you haven't read the book, but it's very interesting that um, you played that because the importance of being human was what I wanted to show in something, in some form of writing. And I didn't know how that was going to, you know, transpire. So, Throughout the whole of December, I just kept having this feeling that I had to show the emotions and the importance of what it is to be human. Then I watched um, a program between Christmas and New Year's, a Netflix series called The Colony. Very scary. Um, not for the faint-hearted. Uh, and, I, and I watched it. I was fascinated. I don't have a lot of time to watch TV. In fact, I don't watch TV, but I do watch Netflix every now and again. And so I watched this and I was like, Wow. It must have left an imprint in me because January the 3rd, when kids had gone back to school, etc., I start. I opened my laptop. I had no idea what I was going to write. Five and a half weeks later, I finished writing. I did not know any of the characters. I didn't plan them. Nothing. I wrote. I just opened my laptop and I wrote every single day. Um, up to 7,000 words a day and Pyramid is what came out. Mm, it's very interesting. I, I, I know exactly what you mean about that intuitive writing because I mean sometimes. Mm. Sometimes uh, I mean I, I I'm not going to say I do a lot of writing. I, I write a lot, but not books and stuff like that. You know, um, and uh, sometimes you can just sort of get up in the morning and it, it's like something's taken over your pen. <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, and you, you just write. So I know exactly what you mean um, with that. Now, with Pyramid being your first novel, um, I mean, how has the writing process differed for you from writing um, the the other four books? Because I imagine writing a novel is very different to writing uh, the, the you know the sort of the four books, the contents in the four books that you'd written before. So, was it a big sort of difference in in the way that you you sort of approached it once you'd got that first idea? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So with poetry, it's, you can pick it up, you can drop it. With a novel, you ha- it's almost like you live there. 
Um, and then what I would do is, uh, so I'd get up at half five in the morning and, you know, because I've still got kids to take to school, etc. So I would get up in the morning, half five, and get myself woken up properly. And then at six, I would open my laptop and read what I wrote before. And then I'd carry on writing. And then I do that every single time. So I was in the... I was in the story. So I'd immerse myself in the story. And I've read my book now nine times. Um, so five times I edited it. There are still mistakes. It's self-published. There are going to be mistakes. I've got a very good editor, but still, you know, we have the odd mistake. And, and then I read it while it was being edited three times. And then I read it as a book on holiday. And I put it down. I thought, you know what? That's one of the best books I've ever read, <laughs> which I, I'm not being big headed or egotistical. I'm just saying in terms of being in the character with the characters, I still think about um, two of the characters. Uh, I think about Hayden. In fact, I'm, I think I've got this love interest thing with Hayden. He's the kind of guy I'd like to meet. He's a warrior, a survivor. Uh, he's never been in love. It's, it's, you'll understand why in, in the book, but and then the priest. These are two characters that have stayed with me. I have a taste for them in my mouth all the time. And I can't wait to read my book again, just to revisit those two characters more than anything. So uh, I think that's different to writing anything else. The, the other books I, can, I, I don't need to pick up and reread. But this one, I'm really looking forward to rereading again. And that's my own book. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you en- if you enjoy it, then everybody else is bound to enjoy it. So, and I I know with creative people, whether it, it be sort of writers or people involved in musicals or theatre or every, uh, anything like that, uh, with creative people, they they never really seem to be happy with the final product. So, how long did it take for you to from when you sat down and started writing it uh, to through all the editing and everything uh, like that? How long did it take? to get to the stage where you were happy with the novel as it was at that stage? Uh, so, yeah, you're right. We're, all, we're very critical. I'm incredibly critical of my art, for, for example. Um, uh, so I wrote the book. I knew as soon as I wrote the book that it, it was the best thing I've ever written. And I knew because it was inspired writing, I felt like I'd been given the gift of it. And it has a message of hope. So, yes, it's a scary, you know, the the concept is scary. But the thing is, it's also a message for humanity. It's got twofold message. One is if we do not see what's going on (laughs) and we do not stop what could be coming, then this could could potentially be our future because it's based 100 years from where we are now. And, um, And the other thing is the message of hope that is in there everyone needs to know everyone needs to read the message of hope that's in there and and also it explores the soul and so on so how long did it take as soon as I finished it writing it I knew that I had something very special the most difficult part is getting a book published it's the hardest part because no or um publishing companies seem to be taking on unknown authors literary agents won't seem to touch unknown authors Unless you're a name and or you've got books published in that you know the 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 normal process hmm. uh, the traditional process, so the hardest thing was then I had this gap of editing where I became more and more critical of it and worried and went down that negative like oh will anyone 
accept this? You know, how am I going to get this published? What if I never get this published? So that was the only critical time for me, you know, as in critique time, was thinking, is this going to get published? Who can I get to read it? Is it the kind of book that I can get people to read or get a publisher to read? Because I'm it's self-published and I'm having to do my own marketing and PR because there's no budget because I have to pay for it to be published. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bit of a trap really, but yeah, know, it's one of those, uh, what is it? Catch, um, whatever. Catch 22. It, that's the one catch 22, um, sort of scenario. So, so where can people get hold of a copy of pyramid? It's on Amazon. Oh, so, right. yeah, it's on, it's on Amazon. You, um, all run international. So it's UK, America, international, yeah, it's just called Pyramid by Paula Love Clark. So people just go to uh, go to Amazon, have a look for Paula Love Clark. There, there's a few books on there as well. And Pyramid is, uh, I think, it's the first thing that that it comes to um, on there. So, so where once sort of you know this this is sort of all out of your system and everything. What is next for you? Is there another novel due, or is there another other type of book due? So, uh, have you got that far yet? Have you thought that far ahead? Uh, so I'm, I thought about this, yes. Uh, so right now I'm back to painting. Uh, I've been offered to exhibit my um, paintings in uh, a restaurant, a local restaurant where they exhibit local artists and, that, and I'm painting a whole new series of um, flowers. So I paint abstract as well, so flowers. So I'm going to pursue that side and really, I've got five books now. It's time that I really promoted those five books. Yeah. You know, I've only written, I've written five books and published five books in, th- in three years. And in 10 months, I published four books. So it's time I, I published what I've already got without thinking about what else I'm going to write. Does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And, and I suppose that way as well, you can sort of concentrate a little bit more on the artistic, the painting side uh, of it. Once you, you've got sort of all, all this stuff published and, and it's all out there and, uh, and, and then go back to the painting. And, and then I suppose once, uh, once you finish with that, go back to another book. It, it's nice to have that other thread, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I'm also setting up um, an online business called The Creative Sim- Single Mum. Well, I've set it up already. I just haven't um, properly launched it. Where I'm helping single parents um, find ways of making income. So uh, I also, <laughs> I've got a lot many strings to my bow. Um, <laughs> uh, quite a while ago, I used to go around to the universities and I, did, I started um, a presentation called Thinking Outside the Box about how students can find different ways of earning income whilst um, staying within their chosen mm. subject. Because quite often when, when students leave the university, they've got maybe a, a, a degree in, um, I don't know, uh, you know, they've got a degree. Yeah. And it's, you know, maybe a degree that isn't like accounting or law or, you know, um, doctor of medicine or something, where they know they're going to go into their chosen career. They maybe have an, a degree that's kind of, very specific and difficult to get into and maybe that um it's a crowded area um crowded field and it's very difficult maybe they have to do an internship or start right at the bottom and quite often students find that they don't go into their chosen field because they they can't afford it Mm. Uh, especially if you have to start off as a volunteer so or you know doing free work so it was it was helping people find their different sources of income and it's the same with this as a single parent 
we end up, because I've been a single parent for nine over nine years, we end up taking low-paid jobs if we're not careful. And I can earn, you know, a few hundred pounds a day as a makeup artist, but it's few and far between. And as a single parent, it's very difficult to leave my kids for three weeks of filming. Mm. In fact, I can't leave my children for three weeks of filming. So, you know, it's helping helping people, men and women, although I kind of I call it single mum, the creative single mum, find different sources of income whilst also being able to look after their families. What an excellent idea. Uh, and uh, and pe- can people sort of go to your your page and find that, you know, sort of find that area uh, from from the Paula Luff, uh, Clark page? Um, so there will be links. Uh, I'll be putting up links, but I haven't properly launched it yet. But yes, okay. definitely. <laughs> Something to look forward to in the future. Uh, it will so. So Pyramid is available now. It's on Amazon. Um, go to Amazon and have a really good read. And don't, don't scare yourself too much with, with, with what's in there. So I'm looking forward to uh, having a read of that uh, myself. So uh, Paula, thank you for coming back on the show and telling us uh, about uh, about the, the latest project um, and, uh, and, and the other bits and bobs that's going off in your life as well. So it's been lovely to chat to you again and, and catch up. Thank you. Um, so you have a lovely rest of the summer. Sunday and uh, and we'll catch up sometime in the future as well. I've got to read that book first though. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you. And can I just say um congratulations to Teresa, Teresa Bazaar, who I know is one is your next guest yes. for her forthcoming tour and I really um hope it goes really well for her. Oh bless you. I shall I shall pass those uh, those comments on to her when I speak to her around about half past eleven this morning. So thank you, Paula. Exactly. Have a lovely rest and of the week. Thank you for having me on. Take oh, care. it's always a pleasure, Paula. You take care and we'll speak soon. Did you know that Nottingham Hospital Radio is a registered charity? As a result, we rely on people like you to donate to it. All our members are committed volunteers who run the service for the benefit and entertainment of the patients in the Queen's Medical Centre and City Hospitals. Research has shown that listening to hospital radio can positively benefit a patient's recovery, and we think it's a very worthwhile thing to do. Donating to NHR is easy and rewarding, so please log on to nhradio.org.uk and go to the donate page. That's nhradio.org.uk slash donate. You'll be glad you did, and thank you.